He was a man of passion and grace until he was cursed for eternity. Not a wicked spy. Now, the pain, it's searing, blinding. Love brings two enemies together. Something's happening to me. Can't stop thinking about you. A vampire and a slayer? It wouldn't be the first time. You can't deny it. There's something between us. Spike. A special Buffy Valentine. Welcome to the Seal of Danzelfar, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago, and this week's episode is Season 5, Episode 14, Crash. We'll be talking about plot. We'll be talking about characters. We'll be talking about the Notre Dame Hunchback. So spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, the comics, and probably other TV shows and movies. But what they didn't get was that it was a copy of the Bill of Lading. So they thought that it was another order form. So now I've got two shipments of Greek Amparae on my hands. And really, how many Amparae does one podcast need? Not only did you steal my fucking hello, but you also are way too long. But now give me a second while I get a new intro. So I'm sorry. Continue on. No, no, you're good. It was too good not to use it. Oh, it's so good. Well, I got talking about the gallery. Oh, gosh. Welcome back to another wonderful episode of television and the podcast talking about it. Hosted by me. My name is Kelly, and I'm also here to talk about it with my wonderful co-host, Stacia. Say hello. Hello. And my other co-host, Daniel. Say hello. This is If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me, Girl. This is the face of my salvation. She delivered me from mediocrity. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, we're here to talk about Season 5, Episode 14, Crash, which originally aired on February 13th of the year 2001. But before we get into that, I just wanted to take a quick minute to address uh, all the recent Joss Whedon stuff. I mean, depending on when you're listening to this in time, uh, recent. But, I mean, it's this all this stuff has kind of been an open secret in Hollywood for a long time. Uh, so I guess it's always... it's. it's evergreen at this point um i don't really want to get into the messy details because everyone involved you know can speak for themselves it just seems disingenuous as a podcast completely devoted to buffy the vampire slayer to not acknowledge how harmful its creator has been towards a lot of the people working on this show which is seriously devastating (laughs) Um, I mean, like Kelly said, it's been an open secret that Joss mistreated Charisma Carpenter, who plays Cordelia on both Buffy and Angel, um, but she's finally confirmed it after 20 years of, of silence, um, and other cast members and crew have come forward and acknowledged that they also suffered from working with Joss and it just seems important to since we're going to continue doing this podcast acknowledge that like we recognize and believe everyone that's come forward and said that you know Joss has done awful things to them and has treated them poorly um you know but a tv show unlike some other forms of media is not you know made in a vacuum it's not purely Joss's creation. It's created by a bunch of people. So it's too bad that he has to put a like giant shadow over the Buffyverse. 
Well, and Firefly and, you know, every, everything and, he's worked on. Yeah, everything else he's worked on and continues to just ruin. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> to ruin. You know, for, for a casual person like me who's only kind of watched really this and maybe Fire... I've seen Firefly once. It's like all of this, I don't really know anything about Joss Whedon. And so the fact that it's like everyone coming out of the woodwork to be like, yeah... You know, Jose Molina, who worked on Firefly, I'm looking at it here, called the behavior, you know, casually cruel. Cruel is the way to say it. Like, he was just casually cruel. I mean, and especially for this to happen with someone who is, like, lauded for his feminism and has been treated as someone who's, you know, given women a chance in the industry to, you know, not be true even a little bit. I know it's shocking for people that weren't as, like, deeply... (laughs) committed to Buffy lore as maybe we are um, but I just it felt like it needed to be said that you know without mentioning that this sucks it feels like we're implicitly you know agreeing with Joss Whedon or like assuming his innocence or something and I don't want it to come across like that so that's all I wanted to say yeah I agree I mean the the Charisma Carpenter stuff is all I really knew but it's like if you're going to treat her that way and illegal, as far as I know, you can't fire someone for being pregnant. So he waited until after she had the kid and then fired her. And, mm-hmm. and that that's been like the one public open thing that everybody knew. But she never said, of course, because she's you know terrified to speak out. But there's a, a Paley Fest panel with all of them on it. I think even Sarah Michelle Gellar is on that one, which is like the one and only yeah. one she's ever yeah. done. Um that's like an hour long, it came out in like 2006. And she, you can tell that Chris McCarpenter is like pained and doesn't want to talk about it. And, and like, you know, it's, it's got to be really shitty for you play this character for seven years and to have not only the character assassinated, but like living and working in this hostile environment and just like, it's a huge bummer. And then, I don't know, it, it's not always the case that somebody's mean to one person and that means that they're shitty to everyone around them, but it's some oftentimes the case. Like, you're a bad guy, you're going to be a bad guy consistently. But it's just, it's unfortunate that, you know, he's behaved like this throughout his entire time, abused his power, and made people feel like shit. Um, I mean, as we learned from this episode of Crush, vampire's going to vamp. Yeah. But for, it's, for me, it's like, he definitely reached this superhero worship status amongst a lot of fans. Uh, he really had like a peak moment. He, did, he had uh, conventions entirely devoted to him, WhedonCon in, in Atlanta. I most went um, back in the day. But it's like, yes, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Lots of people worked on this show. And just because he's a bad guy doesn't mean the show is bad. For me, it's even worse because a lot of my favorite episodes are ones that he specifically wrote. I mean, like, yeah, you, so many people worked on it, so many people wrote on it, you can say that, and that's true, but it's like, the the character was his idea. The Especially the first season was almost him entirely. And so many of the greatest episodes were written by him. So it's like, I don't know, man. Yes, he's terrible, but people contain multitudes. Sometimes terrible people do really creative things and that sucks and we've had to reckon with that time and time again great it's happening all over again <laughs> you can have uh, somebody who's a creative person and an, and an artist and also be bad i mean that is something that we now in this you know last couple of years have really had to consistently reckon with like part of this show for us is to watch it today and be like this is kind of there are elements of this that are that are cringe and it 
and it doesn't hold up in a lot of ways. And I think it's good to reevaluate him as some feminist hero because I don't know if that's completely true. Like, I mean, there are instances where, you know, he's not much of a feminist after all in a lot of the depictions of women in the show. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, even aside from his actual reality of his life being a bad dude, like, in the show, yeah. too. Like, I, but... Joss still hasn't said anything. I think he would, is is wise to not say anything. I don't think there's anything... He specifically, Joss Whedon, the person specifically, cannot respond well to this. He he flies off the handle a lot. He says a lot of dumb shit. He puts his foot in his mouth all the time. Yeah, but you'd think his like PR team would come back with some sort of sanitized statement. Yeah, some kind of non-apology. Like, I apologize for anyone that might have been hurt by something that happened at some point that I won't confirm or deny happened. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Okay. Crush. Or you could take Nicholas Brendan's approach. What happened with Nicholas Brendan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, Jaws could just tell people that he can't comment on this situation because he has to get <laughs> surgery for his paralyzed butthole. And penis. And penis. And penis. Yeah. I believe the the direct quote that you read the tweet to me was, I can't tell if I'm pissing or shitting, so I have to piss sitting down. Yeah. That, is, <laughs> that was the quote. So, thanks, Nick. Uh, holy moly. Okay. All right. Crush. Crush. I want to be sedated. Do you like the remote? Written by not Joss Whedon, written by David Fury. Uh, 10 of 17 for the series for him. Last one was Shadow. Next one will be Bargaining Part 2, so we won't see him again until season Bergening? six. Mm. Bargaining Part 2. Bargaining? Oh. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I believe you anymore. <laughs> Directed by Daniel Adias. Uh, I thought I'd never heard of him before, but turns out he already did one other episode of the show, also Shadow. Uh, and this is the last one he does. So just Shadow and this one. Let me tell you, not a lot. Spike said he loves Buffy. He went to pretty extraordinary lengths, such as cattle prodding both Drusilla. Oh, hey, by the way, Drusilla's here. He didn't uh, cattle prod Drusilla. Yeah, he did. First he... I thought he punched her. No, he, cattle, he no, no, shocked he the shit out of her, oh. her and Buffy. Um, I thought Drusilla shocked Buffy. Yeah. No. Yeah, Drusilla shocked, shocked Buffy. Buffy yeah. was knocked out. You think that he's going to, like, you know, and then hurt he Buffy. Shocks and then he playing. Is the entire thesis of the show is that Buffy the Vampire Slayer with the strength of ten men is still weaker than a cow? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, cows are, like, 1,200 pounds and she's, like, 100. To be fair, she's a superhero. I'm... She got shocked twice. It's like two cows. I mean, that's just supposed to, like, move the cow along. <laughs> Prod. I don't know. how. What's the cow-to-man strength conversion rate? Is a cow as strong as five men? That's what I'm saying. It doesn't cows. matter because Buffy's not even as strong as one cow. So. <laughs> Buffy, Buffy is not. Where's our Cow the Vampire Slayer show? Because I would watch that. That's what I'm saying. Redo your math, Kelly. <laughs> I guess to explain it more, does it need more explaining? We open with Buffy being sad at the bronze, and I'm. It, it's. I understand she why she's sad. She's not necessarily sad. Because her friends are dancing without her. I mean, she was just sitting it's there alone. And Spike comes in and tries We're to be. putting her feelings on her. You, you really don't want me to get through the plot today. Nope. <laughs> All right. Spike loves Buffy. Buffy doesn't love Spike back. She uninvites him. Let's get to the stuff. Priscilla murders a bunch of people Jusilla on a train. Priscilla murders a bunch of people on a train. It's great. Hilarity. Uh,. Also, so, Harmony, who's the MVP of this episode. Don't forget, because Spike does every second, that yeah. she exists. 
but she doesn't after this. Oh my gosh. Presumably they've been together this whole time. It's like, no, we haven't seen I know. Them. I wrote that as a yelling. I was like, are we supposed to believe that Harmony's just I know. been around this whole time and we haven't seen her once? Okay, cool. And like, like Joyce and Dawn have been there. Dawn's been there multiple times, but Harmony was just not there. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, so this is the first and last appearance of the Sunnydale train station. So R.I.P. Sunnydale <laughs> <laughs> Railways. Well, that has a terminus stop. I've got a, I've got a lot stop. to say. Not a great... I've got a lot to say about the train <laughs> Okay, great. Station. Yelp reviews, uh, one star. <laughs> I cannot wait. Absolutely horrible. Uh, and speaking of last appearances, this is the last appearance for Harmony and Drusilla. Uh, last appearance of Drusilla really? with the exception of the first inhabiting her, like in one scene maybe. Um, not oh, inhabiting yeah. her, but but like you know what I mean. Portraying her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing that. That thing. Sweep around yeah, right yeah. The, yeah. Uh, she torments Spike, I think, once uh, as well, at, okay. like the first does as her. Um, and then Harmony, she's never on Buffy again, but she is obviously an angel. Yeah, that's wild. That was the spinoff we I mean, all deserved. Sense. The Harmony mm-hmm. on season five. I mean, mm-hmm. oh yeah, on season five. Well, comics. The comics of Harmony is hilarious. Oh yeah, so. that's right. Her reality show. Um, uh huh. Nice. So, Spike. Interesting that they talk about love a lot in this, but I just wanted to bring up at the top. Spike says specifically in season 10, issue number nine, about his oh, wow. like love feelings. He says his pre-soul, well, his pre-soul feelings for Buffy were a selfish bastardization of love. So we're going to talk about that later, but I just wanted to throw mm, that quote okay. in there before I forgot. Bad, evil things that are not for a child's eyes. I'm not a child. Not even human. Not originally. Spike gets uninvited in this episode. He has been able to freely access Buffy's house since becoming part two. So all the way back in season two, he's been free reign this whole time. It seems egregious. But I guess really no one is concerned because of his chip. And I think that's a huge oversight. Because clearly he's been stealing fucking Buffy's unmatchables. So I mean, then. he did leave for an entire season. He showed up for a little bit in season That's true. three. So, I mean, he was gone for a lot of... But still, he could have shown up whenever, man. And he had a chip almost immediately in season four. Oh, so yeah. Sure, sure, sure. He's been fine. So, while Drusilla does the heavy lifting for anyone who's mildly interested, I did want to give a little bit of an angel update. Perfect. Now we don't have to make any other music. It just yeah, we needed one. Because there was a doll in this in the train station, and I'm like, what's the significance of this doll? I assume it's an angel update, and I'm excited. No, that's just a that's Drusilla thing. Don't let me down. That's just a Drusilla thing. Oh, yeah. Before when she was on Buffy, she would have dolls and cover them with blindfolds. Yeah, that's all that is. And I'm supposed I'm supposed to remember that. Yes. Yeah. It's just supposed to be like, because Buffy says, there's nothing here, and then it pans up to the doll, and you're supposed to be like, oh, she's Drusilla! I've been watching Angel because it comes on at the same night, so I know it's Drusilla! (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. I I thought it would be an Angel update because something in Angel prompts Drusilla. This, to me, is like, you saw Angel! So you know it's Drusilla. Yeah, so I I don't know if I did. I think I did a mini Angel update uh, about the episode Darla. That was season... Uh, to episode seven of Angel, so this season. So she's been, Darla, not Drusilla, but Darla, uh, was brought back by Wolfram and Hart, and she's been human and syphilitic and going downhill, quite frankly, in the sanity department and health department since Wolfram and Hart brought her back. So the episode, The Trial, which is season two, episode nine, so just two episodes later, 
Darla is on her syphilitic deathbed. Angel is there to comfort her. We, we, it's okay. We've made up. I'm going to just cradle you while you die. Commandos bust in. Capture Angel or restrain him. Surprise, Drusilla's here because Wolfram Hart have hired her to bite Darla to make her immortal again. So now Darla, brought back from the dead, returned into a vampire. And now Drusilla and Darla spend all of episode 10, which is called Reunion, killing lots of people, generally making mayhem and Mary. And then in the following, well, at the end of that episode, Angel is very angry with them and things are going badly. And Wolfram and Hart, because they're cocky and they think they can control Darla and Drusilla, have this big party and invite them as the guest of honor because they're all very dumb. Uh, And Darla and Drusilla get locked in this room with all these people by none other than Angel and they can proceed to murder everyone in the room. So like Buffy our heroine of this television show, who did the same thing to Billy Ford, let us not forget her own friend, let the vampires do her dirty work and got, got, Billy Ford got. He was going to die anyway. He was going to die anyway. But Angel did that to a whole group of people. Now, they were evil lawyers, but still. And that caused his gang of Gun Cordelia and Wesley uh, to get real mad at him. And he was like, you know what? F you guys. You're fired. Y'all are fired. So they are all sad, and they go their separate ways, and Angel is stewing and doing the most cringy voiceovers you ever heard. And I just, like, every time I pop into the show, I'm like, that's why I can't stand this shit. That's why I can't stand him Batmaning, being over the top. I just can't. Go ahead, you first! This scene was a special challenge to all involved. Stop it! Anyway, they, Drusilla and Darla are trying to recruit an army of demons to do what? I don't know. Again, just kill stuff randomly. There doesn't seem to be a real point. Angel stops them, and he sets them on fire in a warehouse, and they both. Well, yeah, they mentioned the fire. Yeah. Run away. <laughs> Drusilla runs away to Sunnydale, and Darla runs away to somewhere. But she shows back up apparently, so that her and Angel can have sex because she wants to turn Angel evil. But jokes on her. Not the true moment of happiness. Doesn't work. Angel doesn't turn bad, but Darla does get pregnant, and we'll find that out in season three of Angel. Cool. That won't end poorly. There you go. That's your Angel update. Perfect. Now we don't have to make any other music. Such a hater. Someone else should do Angel updates. Nope. I think I'm doing pretty good. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Drusilla's gone after this. Um, so interesting to me. David Fury does not like the Buffy-Spike relationship, apparently. Yet, at least that's what he says. He thinks it would be selling out. The characters would both be selling out if Buffy was in love with Spike and Spike in love with Buffy. Like, because he's the bad guy and she's the good guy. And that's that's bogus. So he doesn't like the relationship. He doesn't understand the enemies to lovers trope? Not at all. He's not here for it. Except for he's the one that wanted to write this episode. He specifically <laughs> went to whomever and was like, I want to write... Uh, the next step in their relationship. I uh, so it's like that makes total no. That makes total sense. Ima- imagine you being a writer and thinking like I don't like this, but I have to do it. Uh, then yeah. you can at least sort of you know control you how it goes person. down. Yeah, totally. I think that's wise. I mean, if it's gonna happen, there's no way it's not. Then might as well be you to really push it. You know. I guess that's true because he not liking it, he could be like make sure that Buffy is disgusted and stays disgusted, right? As opposed to being like. Well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, the only other option is you quit your job and you get a placard and stand outside of the lot 
for the next three years and say, you know, Spike and Buffy is an abomination. No, Spuffy. No, Spuffy. Yeah. Right. Oh, and so it would it would work for maybe a minute, but people would cl- forget about you because you're not a writer on a TV show anymore. So, Well, because he did not like their relationship, he put that very ham-fisted, very obvious dialogue between Tara and Willow about the hunchback of Notre Dame. And how that is, you know, it's just never going to work out. And I was like, what does that mean? I don't understand that reference. If only someone had explained to me what the hunchback of Notre Dame is and what a Quasimodo is, that would be wonderful. So I made Stacia do it. I just don't see why he couldn't end up with Esmeralda. They could have the wedding right there beneath the very bell tower where he labored thanklessly for all those years. No, see, it can't, it can't end like that because all of Quasimodo's actions were selfishly motivated. He had no moral compass, no understanding of right. Everything he did, he did out of love for a woman who would never be able to love him back. Also, you can tell it's not going to have a happy ending when the main guy's all bumpy. I mean, I'm as dumb as Buffy here. I can't wait. Same. In fact, I've only seen even the Disney version, one time, and it's because Stacia made me watch it. I think it's one of the best Disney movies. It's beautiful and sad and full of all these adult themes that as a kid I was like, this sucks. (laughs) 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 Okay, so The Hunchback of Notre Dame was published in 1831 by Victor Hugo. And I'd like to begin this Mm -hmm. little book club by asking... Why did Victor Hugo write The Hunchback of Notre Dame? Pourquoi? Was it to illuminate the way society isolates and alienates those who are disfigured or have disabilities? Perhaps. Was it to explore the bitter sweetness of unrequited love? Perhaps. Was it to illustrate racism in then modern-day Paris? Ooh, also perhaps. No, it was because he thought the <laughs> Cathedral of Notre Dame was just fucking beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> like that is a sweet building i'm gonna write a thousand page book about it (laughs) also i guess because you can't just write a thousand pages about a building although i would (laughs) i'll put some people in it (laughs) you could but no one would probably read it but yeah so um obviously victor hugo he's french he wrote the book in french the original french title is notre dame de paris literally notre dame of paris (laughs) Like, he was just like, I don't care. The Hunchback, whatever. Not the star. All about, yeah, no, literally. <laughs> like, the the cathedral really functions as, like, a protagonist and a witness to all of these events. And he has all, like, Victor Hugo, the author, has all these deep thoughts about, like, architecture as art versus, like, words as art because the printing press was just, like, a thing that was making writing more accessible before that like the most accessible art that he like people would experience on an everyday basis was architecture like people would walk past Notre Dame and see it like you didn't have to be able to read to like see and appreciate um, this form of art so he finds that like architecture has like this great freedom that the written word doesn't because of that Um, but at the same time Victor Hugo's like heartbroken because Like, this was published in 1831. This is, like, 40 years after the end of the French Revolution, and, like, shit was dire. A lot of cultural relics, and especially Gothic architecture, which Notre Dame falls into, was, like, destroyed. A lot of cathedrals were destroyed. Notre Dame was, like, in disrepair. Like, it was falling apart, and a lot of the, like, beautiful pieces that were, like, iconic for Notre Dame were gone and had been replaced by things that he considered to be less good. Then, like, for instance, there was um, a a huge stained glass 
window that they took out and just put normal glass in because they wanted more light. And he was like, what? how could you do that? How dare you? Yeah, he's like enraged about it. So he's writing this in a way to try to say, guys, like our culture matters. Gothic architecture matters. This is something we need to preserve. And like it honestly was a huge um, deal. And because of that, Notre Dame was saved and conserved and like rebuilt to like actually like inspired the person who ended up doing it to go and like try to fix it and bring it back to its like original splendor as opposed to this like, you know, ruined church. <laughs> I'm sure Victor Hugo is like turning over in his grave now. I thought you did a, a great job explaining his love for this building. Well, that- Why would he be peeved about that? Oh, because it burned down again. It burned down. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of people, I think, donated money or said they were going to donate money and then didn't. Like, they reneged. Like, I'm going to donate $100,000 and then just never did after the hype died down. Anyways, the two points of reference I think most modern day people, especially millennials of an American culture point of reference would be the Disney 1996 Disney movie The Hunchback of Notre Dame and the other one is possibly the actual book by Victor Hugo if they had to read it in high school or college which I did um, it's really long and it's really boring and again it's mostly architecture like he so much of the book is just devoted to talking about how beautiful this building is like literal whole chapters won't even have people in it it'll just be talking about like cornichons I don't even know cornichons a pickle I know <laughs> okay. okay what are those Twirly things. Oh, God. I oh, know. I know what you're talking about. They, like, add the ends of, like, yeah. the roofs. Yeah. The corners. Yeah. Which is why you went with corner shot, I'm assuming. The Disney movie. While it does have some things that are true in the book, and all the characters that are in the Disney movie, aside from the gargoyles, because obviously those aren't, aren't real. What? Um, <laughs> are characters taken from the book. However, Disney did, you know what Disney does, which is say, history is beautiful and nothing bad ever happens. <sighs> I mean, to a point, because this is, I would argue, possibly the darkest movie Disney's ever made and really does kind of stand out from the rest of its collection. Um, because, frankly, the origin story is real dark, real sad, real tragic, really no glimmer of hope. So... They had a lot of work to do, and I don't think it's possible to make The Hunchback of Notre Dame a truly Disney-fied story, which is why we get, like, the best villain song in the history of Disney, I would argue, again. Like fire, hell fire, this fire in my skin, this burning desire is turning. It's not my fault. I'm not to blame. It is the gypsy girl, the witch, who set this flame. It's not my fault. If in God's plan, he made the devil so much stronger than a man. Um, that being said, I'm going to go through the plot of the original novel. And hopefully millennials listening, you'll recognize how this diverts from the Disney version. <laughs> So it opens in 1842 at the Festival of Fools. Quasimodo, and this also happens in the Disney movie, you know, he's overlooking and he's like, to be out there, whatever. Quasimodo is picked as the Pope of Fools because he is the ugliest person in Paris. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) So they like, you know, 
put him in a little chair and they're taking him in a parade like down Main Street or whatever Paris has. I don't know. And this guy, Pierre Gringori, is like, hey, I'm an artist. Watch my play. And everyone's like, excuse me. I want to laugh at this really ugly person. And they all (laughs) ignore him. Frollo appears and is like, stop everything. Quasimodo, go home, you loser. Wow. Who's Frollo? He sounds like a dick. Yeah, so Claude Frollo, the main villain of the story, is like the, um, he's like the, uh, I don't even know, what is it? Bishop? Yeah, he's like the bishop. He's some sort of churchy guy Mm. who takes care of Notre Dame. And we find out the backstory is Quasimodo was left at the church as a baby, you know, like a foundling, and Claude Frollo takes him and raises him and teaches him to be the bell ringer of um, Notre Dame because even though he's, like, got all of these, like, physical issues, he's really strong, so he can do the bell ringing really well. So Frollo, his, like, fake papa, is like, go home. <laughs> fake papa. But then, I love you, fake papa. At, and then at the same time, Esmeralda is there, and, like, every man in a 400-yard <laughs> radius is like, oh, my God, the most gorgeous Ew. 16-year-old girl I've ever seen. Uh. Because, of course, she's 16. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's going home. Pierre decides, I'm going to follow her home. And he turns the corner, and Quasimodo attacks him because Quasimodo and Frollo were also following Esmeralda. They get into a fight. Quasimodo knocks out Pierre. Wait, who's Pierre? He's the artist that no one wanted to watch his play. Oh, right. Yeah, Yeah, so the artist saw Esmeralda there and was like, she's gorgeous kind of hungry. I'm going to follow her home and like get a snack on the way. <laughs> I don't know. No. So Quasimodo knocks Pierre out and is like, no. At this point, Phoebus arrives. Not too many names. <laughs> Phoebus is the blonde from the Disney movie. Oh, you know, he's like no. in knight's armor. The protagonist is in the Disney's movie. Anyways, he's part of the King's Guard. Phoebus arrives. He captures Quasimodo Pierre gets away, and Frollo goes back to Notre Dame, whatever. Pierre, in his, like, freaked-out state, accidentally stumbles into the Court of Miracles, which we also see in the Disney movie, where all of the Romani are, like, hanging out and singing, and you have that, like, jester guy. But, unfortunately for Pierre, he's having, like, a really bad day. You can't go to the Court of Miracles unless you're Romani or you're married to one. Or you get murdered. So he's going to get murdered. The leader of the Romani are like, you're dead, dude. And then Esmeralda, beautiful, sweet, pure, innocent Esmeralda is like, I will marry you for four years, specifically four years to save your life. And Pierre is like, thank you so much. You're beautiful. (laughs) She's like, whatever. (laughs) The next day, Quasimodo is put on trial and sentenced to two hours of torture for beating up Pierre. Go off. While he's being tortured, everyone's laughing at him. They're like, ha-ha, our Pope of Fools is being tortured. And he's crying, give me water, give me water. And a, who, I don't know if you can guess this, someone from the crowd comes out and gives him a sip of water. And he's like, I love you. Esmeralda. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would be no other than our beautiful, innocent, gracious, giving woman, Esmeralda. The only one in yes. the book. The only one in the book. The only woman. So, a few months later, Phoebus... Sees Esmeralda doing her dancing, looking pretty fly. He's like, hey, 
I know I have a fiance and I'm about to get married, but like I'd really like to tap that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Esmeralda's like, hey, you saved me from all these rapists in the alley, and I really appreciate that. And you're also kind of cute. So like, yeah, I'll meet you later. Um, Frollo apparently is listening to this from like the top of Notre Dame and is like, no. <laughs> so he follows them, meets them, and stabs Phoebus like a million times. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Okay. There's a lot of following people in this book. There's a lot of following. Yeah. Them, yes. I mean, what else are you going to do in 1400s? There's no following. I also imagine him as like the Phantom of the Opera, like above the stage, like listening to them as they're having a conversation. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Amazing. So. Unfortunately, and this is the embarrassing thing, I hate it when you're like out with someone and they get stabbed to death and then you get totally. blamed for it, but that's exactly <laughs> what happened to Esmeralda. So the King's Guard captures her. She's tortured until she confesses really? to killing Phoebus. Wow. She's about to get hanged and she looks out into the crowd and who does she see but Phoebus? They make eye contact and he runs and hides from her because he doesn't want her or anyone to know that he actually survived the stabbing and he's fine. What? At that moment when she's about to be hanged, Quasimodo swings from the bell tower, picks her up, and swings back to Notre Dame, screaming, Sanctuary! Sanctuary! (laughs) So then everyone's like, well, shit, now she's in a church. safe for like a minute, right? Like, I mean, well, she's she's over there, I guess. I'll go get her. Yeah, so they start this like really boring legal thing to try to remove her sanctuary so that they can get her. In the meantime, her Romani people are like, I'm going to save her. But Quasimodo thinks that they're coming to hurt her. So he, like, drives them away. And then the King's Guard comes. And he thinks that the King's Guard are good, even though they're going to hang her. I don't I don't know. Because he saved her from them. But then he was like, hey, Phoebus and the gang, he's a good guy. So he's trying to give Esmeralda over to them. So he's looking for Esmeralda. But in the meantime, Frollo kidnaps her. And he takes her to another location and is basically like, tell me you love me or I'm going to have you hanged. And she said, then execute me immediately. (laughs) Because Esmeralda is the queen we all stand. (laughs) Which, unfortunately, is exactly what happens. Wow. He takes her back. She is hung. Quasimodo sees her hanging from the top of Notre Dame. (laughs) as Everything in France happens. And he... um, realizes that Frollo has given her up, and that's why she's dead. So he grabs Frollo by the throat, throws him over Notre Dame. He sees Frollo's crumpled body at the bottom, dead. His love, Esmeralda, is dead. And he screams, There is everything I ever loved! And then disappeared, and no one ever saw the hunchback oh, again. No. Except... Later, we get this, like, epilogue where there are, like, grave diggers going through, like, a pauper's mass grave, and they find Quasimodo, or, like, a hunchback skeleton, wrapped around a little girl's skeleton, and when they try to pull the bones apart, they crumble into dust. Oh, no. So there you go. So he laid down... (laughs) So the implication is she died. She got thrown into a pauper's grave because, like, no one cared about her, I guess. And he had nothing else to live for, so he went and found her body and, like, curled up with it and then just, like, died of sadness. Oh. Sweet. Yeah. The other thing, which sucks. So Quasimodo is supposed to be this foundling, right, that's left, they thought, by the Romani people. But the reality is he's, like, a changeling. Mm. In the sense that he was left and Esmeralda was actually stolen. So her original birth name is Agnes and she's a normal French person. But she's raised by the Romani and the Romani left 
Quasimodo, and right before Esmeralda, a.k.a. Agnes, is killed, she realizes this French woman in the crowd is actually her real mom and not whatever. And so her real mom tries to stop her from being hanged, but then she's hanged anyways. That seems tacked on and unnecessary. <laughs> right. But the weird thing is, like, Esmeralda is supposed to be this, like, most beautiful, sweetest, most pure-hearted person, which is so weird for Romani, and turns out she wasn't, like, actually that anyways to, like, justify it, I guess, so... But so in the in Buffy, Tara mentions one of the movies, the 1939 film starring Charles Lawton. This is like a real movie. It was the first sound film that they made um, based on Hunchback of Notre Dame. And it was nominated for two Academy Awards, but didn't win anything. But I found this interesting clip that basically um, when it was made in the 1930s, they had the Hayes Code, which we've talked about um, Mm -hmm. previously, that there were rules that you had to follow to have your movie released. And one of them is you can't show depictions of religious figures in a negative light. And unfortunately, the arch nemesis the like main villain of the story is a priest or bishop or whatever the leader of this church so they're like ah we can't really do that so it's not gonna be claude frollo that's the bad guy it's gonna be his juvenile delinquent drunken teenage brother Jahan frollo (laughs) right sure so (laughs) oh yeah archdeacon of notre dame and the other thing about the book versus the movie, like, well, you get that wonderful Hellfire song in the mm-hmm. Disney movie. In the book, he, like, renounces his religion and tries to learn black magic so that he can, like, curse her. <laughs> make her That's him. awesome. <laughs> this guy. Yeah, I know. So, anyways. Objectively great. Thank you. Never drum. A beautiful building. <laughs> Thank you, Victor Hugo. I like to imagine that in the book, every, like, chapter starts with, meanwhile, back in Notre Dame. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, again, I haven't read this since, I think, like, sophomore year of college or something, but it, it'll be, like, 60 pages of book and no people. Yeah. And then you get, like, some some plot, and then it's more book about um, the the building. And you're just, the like, cobblestone. how can I, like, how, how much frescoing can you really talk about? <laughs> I'm so bored. <laughs> we shot the scene on location. He's ready. It won't work. Well, I think that Fury was Jones, and for that, you know, it's not going to end well. The one the the bat, or the love interest is all lumpy or bumpy, whatever uh, she says. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, talking about this episode, Crush. What do you think about it, Stacia? Um, I thought the episode was fine. It was really fun to see Drusilla come back. It was really fun to see Drusilla have this moment where she was like, "Wow, Spike, you're kind of a wet blanket now." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harmony, fantastic every single moment with her. Like, I wanted more of her. That being said, like, I've always liked Spike because I think that he's funny and I find his character interesting. But this, like, time watching it, doing it more slowly or something, I'm just like, this is a bad look, man. Like, the other stuff before, I could, like, let the sex robot go. But now I'm just like, that's, like, real fucking creepy. Like, thinking about yeah. being in Buffy's <laughs> shoes... And, like, walking into this guy's, like, essential bedroom, and he's got all these pictures of you sleeping that he's drawn, and you're just like, ah. <laughs> Yeah. Real gross. Soft. It's never bothered me before. Uh, Daniel, what did you think about this episode? I don't want to keep talking about Riley, because season four is finally over, but, like, this reminds me <laughs> a lot of this, because we got Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, i.e. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, to basically, uh, you know, just throw truth out there, just like she did. And into the woods, 
Uh, but this time the writers didn't fuck her over and they let her slam the door in Spike's face and basically have one mm-hmm. episode where she gets to fucking put everything out all on the line and it's it. She didn't, they didn't make up at the end. They didn't kiss. They didn't do anything stupid. You know, like another writer maybe would have had them do. So if that's David Fury in any way, kudos to him because I thought that was great um, because the way we've just been doing Buffy lately has been, we, we've been doing her a disservice. Um, but Spike, you know, of course is, you know, reprehensible in this episode. And it's weird too, to have like Joyce in this episode, sort of like almost echoing some of it. I mean, she has these lines where she's like, did you do anything to lead him on? Like, what were you wearing oh, that yeah. night? It's like, mm-hmm. I feel like in some way, like I, that's not, I, I want to believe it's like intentional in a way with him, but I did love Drusilla coming back and our, our triangle slash square or whatever the fuck you want to call it with all of Buffy, Drusilla, and Harmony was fucking great. I, I just, oh, yeah. I didn't know I needed that, and it was so funny. Harmony <laughs> is so good every time. She's just great. I know. Gonna miss her. I did not like it very much. Mm. I was surprised. I feel like this one stands out in my head. I think it's just because of those, like, yeah, Drusilla again. Yeah, that's so fun. And, and, and that. But I was like, wow, yeah, this, I, I too, I'm like, God, Spike. You're gross, dude. Because when we, the spike that we know, but the spike that we've known before his infatuation with Buffy, before him getting chipped, I guess, he was like stone cold badass. I'm just cool all the time. And mm. I mean, he's okay. He's definitely like a bumbling idiot, but he's effulgent. Effulgent. He's always I, been yeah. a loser from day one. Yeah, yeah, I'm with Daniel. I don't think it's different or out of character for him, but it is really uncomfortable to watch it happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems as though, and I mean, we don't really see this, but, like, Drusilla's been the only one he's, like, been interested in right. since he turned into a vampire. Like, he doesn't even know how to handle his feelings. Totally. Um, And it's just really, really deeply off-putting. And I think when you're, like, well, when you're powering through the episodes and that, like, clip of her pulling the paper down and seeing a shrine or whatever, it's, like, it happens so fast and when you watch, you know, four episodes in a sitting, like, I forget that that happened. Oh, yeah. And so it doesn't bother me. But this time I'm, like, really sitting it with it like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, he's drawing. He drew Buffy a bunch. Is that a, a vampire superpower, too? Yeah. Motherfuckers can always draw too. a beautiful portrait. I don't understand. Well, they've got a long time to work on it. Uh. <laughs> well, Kelly, I want to ask you, uh, what do you think? Because you, that quote you had at the beginning you know, I'm trying. I'm I'm definitely less upset about it than than you guys are because because I was thinking, you know, your quote kind of sums it up for me, like a selfish bastardization of love, right? Yeah. And you can see that if mm. if you watch it under that guy's, like everything he's saying is a lie, and that's why I love Buffy in this episode because she's like, I don't care, Spike. Like everything you're saying right mm. now, I've heard before. So about the the Joyce comment. It's a terrible look. Yeah, it's a bad look. Uh. I, d- Way to blame your daughter immediately, Joyce. Yeah, it's just... It, I I do want to a- answer the question, though. I mean, Buffy miraculously does not take offense, does not say, how dare you victim blame me? I didn't fucking do anything. It's not my fault some asshole's in love with me. She didn't do that. She was just like, well, I don't it's know. I beat him up I'm a so lot. Right, well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, do you think that there's anything that Buffy has done that would make Spike think that she cares for him back because he is he's carrying on like she does i mean the whole thing is he chained her up to coerce her into saying that she loved him back which is obviously 
totally messed up on the face of it. But do you think that she's done anything that you could remember that would make him feel that way? Well, one thing that I thought of, you know, um, we have that scene where Dawn is, like, getting told scary stories by Spike or whatever. Mm. And Buffy bursts in to his mausoleum to be like, we have to find... Dawn and you know finds her there or whatever but I'm thinking you wouldn't have gone to Riley for that like and that would have been Riley's whole thing is like you wouldn't have gotten to Spike and you didn't even talk to me why doesn't that register with you crypt plus vampire equals bad cause it was Spike hanging out with Spike is not cool Dawn okay it is it is dangerous and icky I don't think Spike's icky yeah well think again sister like, I don't know that she's, like, given him any sense of, like, romantic um, feelings. But I think on some level she has given him some amount of, like, trust. Yeah, like, totally. obviously she hasn't revoked her invitation until this point to her house. But she's also going to him and saying, help me protect the most precious thing in my life. And, like, you have to trust him on some level to be able to do that. Because why would you go to him if you thought he was dangerous? Yeah. Um. So there's clearly something happening there where they have some level of, like, mutual understanding and respect and trust. I don't know that that means she's led him on in any way. I'm I, I'm positive that he's had these feelings before. I'm positive that he was in love with Nikki Woods or whatever. Like, it, it's an infatuation. Mm. It's something that... I don't know if I don't know if the show will ever delve into it or anything, but you got to believe, man, if you're if you're being hunted by somebody and you are the hunted and you guys have this eternal, you know, sort of rivalry, you're going to experience those type of feelings. I mean, I feel like the way he's talking to her is as if like they're destined in a way to sort of be together Mm -hmm. and he can only act on it because he he does have a chip um, and he, he can't actually kill her you know as he found out when he thought he had the chip removed i do think it's fair for him to say what's the difference between a chip and a soul spike has a chip same diff angel getting a fucking soul being in sold is nothing less than being in chipped so i don't understand Mm -hmm. what's the difference between it and in fact at the end of all of this spike is better than angel because spike Spike went out to get his fucking soul. What the fuck did Angel do? That's so always I'm, been my argument. Yeah, Stacia's brought that up multiple times because mm-hmm. it's true. He at least is like, I want to be better. Everything he's saying now tr- turns out to actually be what he feels, right? We as a viewer can say, oh, you're just manipulating Buffy for whatever reason, you know, just to sleep with her mm-hmm. or just to eat her or whatever because clearly he fucking ate the girl and he was fine. So mm-hmm. maybe there is a bit of him that can overcome this and maybe he will and we don't know that yet, but... Maybe I he, think does he does. I mean, he does. He he goes to prove himself, and that's part of the thing that I mean. All, all the weird, creepy, like neck beardy things that yep. he's doing by like stealing her clothes and making the Buffy bars so awful. And I just want to like push that into a box and forget it exists because <laughs> the idea of him like changing, not because Buffy's asking him to, but because Buffy is giving him the confidence to believe he could be better yeah. is like really compelling and interesting. And I like that, that be something more than you thought you could be. Like he has always been a villain and now he's like, I'm going to be a hero, even yeah. if no one else believes in it. Like I want to be good enough for you. And I'm not the first choice for heroics. And Buffy's tried to kill me more than once. And I don't fancy a single one of you at all. But... Actually, all that sounds pretty convincing. 
I wonder if Asian House is open. I think that's a lot more interesting than Angel, who has this soul thrust upon him, and you know that the moment he's happy even for a second, he's going to be evil again. Like, that's so different than Spike, who has a chip and, like, is evil and just can't act on it. Yeah. Who chooses not to. I swear, I would sell my soul for a decent short game. Yeah, it's all choice, and Angel and Spike come about it a different way. Like, Spike didn't choose to have the chip. No. Angel didn't choose to become ensouled. Right. But I think why everybody lauds Angel, I mean, not everybody, but, like, why people yeah. on the show do their characters do, is because he could still hurt someone, and he chooses not to. His guilt is overriding everything. Yeah. He has this sense of morality now, right, so he right. chooses not to. And in the moments where he is weak and has eaten someone, it's a huge plot point on the show. Yeah. Like, oh, God, how could Angel That's a good that? point. That's a good point. I don't want to take Angel's shit away. Like, I think it's, that's fair. Uh, I mean, I don't care. I don't want to defend Angel. I, mean, I don't give a fuck about I Angel. Think, <laughs> but yeah. that puts, like, a fine point on it. What's the difference between a soul and a chip? It's guilt. Like, yeah, Angel that's, feels that's guilty it. for the things he's done, and Spike doesn't. Yeah. yeah. That's and that's why point. Buffy can't get over her repulsion for Spike. It also made me challenge my own belief on whether or not I think the concept of a soul is true. Mm. Because I've never really thought about it because the show wants you to take for granted that like that is uh, that's a thing that exists. That's and we know what, what that means. A human, a human. It's shorthand for you have this instilled set of morals because you have this soul. But that's not true, right? Because there's all humans in this universe have souls and there are fucking serial killers. There are psychopaths. There are sure. terrible people with souls that do awful things. Someone with a soul did this. Yeah, the chip soul thing is like Spike can't hurt anyone and is choosing to put that to good use because immediately he tries to kill himself. That's the first thing he tries to do when he has a chip. Like, fuck, I can't kill anyone. I don't, I don't want to live. Yeah. <laughs> Life is not worth living. So anymore. good. <laughs> Wearing Xander to white shirt. <laughs> Goodbye, Drew. Oh, it's so good. So good. <laughs> so good. So, so he's like, okay, I'm not going to kill myself. I guess I'll just be a bum. I'll just be yeah. a bum. That's all yeah. I can do is be a bum. So I'll just be a bum. And then he's like, wait a second. I can do something. Maybe I can do something good. Maybe I can help somebody. And like that is a choice. That's nothing to do with his chip other than the fact that it was the catalyst, but he's he could be a bum forever. Yeah. He could kill himself still. You know, like but he doesn't. And well, not because of guilt and not because of a soul, but because he's choosing to. Now that we're talking about it, I think there's this interesting like axis where Spike is going through this moment where he's like what can, like I've been a alive or existing for 200 300 years or however old he is he's like but like what is my future what am i going to choose to be do i want to be this vampire that drusilla believes i am do i want to be a good person that's worthy of buffy like it feels good to be part of their group and at the same time but the thing that's interesting is like obviously buffy in some capacity has let spike into her life but i think you know i said she ran to Spike saying, help me find Dawn, and she wouldn't have done that with Riley. And I think the difference mm -hmm. is she doesn't have to worry about Spike. Like, she doesn't care if he gets killed. She doesn't care if he gets hurt, but she would have with Riley. It's true. So it's easy for her to go to Spike and say, do this dangerous thing for me. And so to the extent that Buffy wants Spike in her life, it is, I want you to be a nothing. Yeah. I want you to just be, like, a useful tool. And you are here trying to have feelings and stuff. And, like, that's not... That's not what we're doing. <laughs> well, and maybe maybe Spike feels that way too. I mean, maybe this behavior where he goes in and fucking takes women's clothes and like that maybe it's part of uh, that's all I think I'll ever be able to get close to somebody that I have feelings for. So I'm like I'm doing what I've always done, which is I'm an asshole creep vampire. Then on this other side, it's like, well, instead of me sort of stalking my victim and then killing them by doing these things, 
you know, sniffing all their clothes and then killing them. I can't do that. So now I'm like going one step further, one step further, one step further. And then it's like, oh, no, I'm in love with you. Oh, my God. I don't know. Maybe he's like, yeah, I'm never able to even get close to anybody. So, like, this is the first time he's ever really professed anything like this. I don't know. That's probably the most charitable way to put any of his actions, which, you know, I don't think we should excuse any of it. But it's like maybe that's the character of Spike and that's where he's coming. It would probably be really complicated to have these feelings because you are this like murderous killing machine who can't do the thing. You can't do the killing. Mm -hmm. And so like. I, I'm sure he doesn't even know if it's love. And that's why Buffy's like, this is a joke. You're not, this isn't what this means. But he's like, I don't know what anything means. I'm very confused. Well, and so, he does like, have that moment where he's yeah. like, I know this is wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do you bitches torture me? Which question do you want me to answer first? You know, I, I'm at the end of my bleeding tether, you know? I, I, I don't know why I even bother, you know? It's your fault. You're the one to blame for all this, you know? Am I? Bloody right you are! If you hadn't left me for that chaos demon, I never would have come back here. Never would have had this sodding chip in my skull. And you wouldn't be able to touch me because this with you is wrong. I know it. Not a complete idiot. You think I like having you in here? Destroying everything that was me until all that's left is you in a dead shell. You say you hate it, but you won't leave. Another one of the choices that Spice makes is... I don't know if you noticed, he changed his wardrobe in this episode. I've been trying to keep track because I knew it happened at some point, but he starts dressing differently because he definitely has a uniform. Black skin tight pants, black skin tight shirt, big ass belt, and usually his duster, maybe a red shirt underneath. But it's the same uniform, especially in the early season. Like that is what he wears every time. Uh, So he's throwing on some like cargo pants. He's wearing like a different color button down shirt, wearing a little sweater. Um, that's that's a code too, right? That's showing, hey, look, I I'm different, Buffy. Look, I'm I'm different. I, I don't I don't wear my, I'm not wearing my leather duster. I don't have a red shirt on. Look, 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 I'm a good guy. Until he gets back with Drew, right. Until and then he, he puts the uniform back on, and he's wearing it again. So, right. he, I mean, it was jarring to see him in the brown jacket, yeah. you know, at the beginning of this episode. That was definitely. weird, and that definitely signaled for me, like, oh god. <laughs> What's happening here? He's just a normal guy walking around the new space age bronze. And that's what Buffy, that's what absolutely he wants Buffy to feel, right? So as far as leading Spike on, I don't think Buffy is guilty of that per se, but absolutely the trust thing. She's gone to him, Mm. not only to protect Joyce, but like, you know, when she was really sad about her mom's diagnosis, she Mm. just sat with Spike. She let him in. Mm -hmm. Like, he's obviously taken that to an extreme and decided that that means you must love me back. But she does feel comfortable yes. with him, and she absolutely sees him as a tool. He's and like that's the whole kind of plot with them for season six is he's just supposed to take it forever. He's just it's supposed like to take it. An empty vessel. Yeah, you are here for me to use, and that is it. Mm-hmm. And he like that's why you that's why he's such an interesting character because you go through these like you're a creep. Ah, I don't know if I want you on the show. To like, oh man, that would suck because he does it like. Whether or not he, you can't feel guilt without a soul or whether or not that exists, he clearly feels like he must be punished, mm. that he's supposed to be punished. I mean, laying on the Buffy cross, baby. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's after he gets a soul. But even now, like, why would he put up? He puts up with that with, for over a year, Buffy just treating him like, like trash. I mean, 
great it's because she doesn't want a relationship with him and it's like it's not her responsibility to make him feel better because of his feelings but in season six she certainly takes advantage of i him. don't think buffy knows what she's feeling though i mean buffy's blindsided by this sarah michelle does a great such a great job in this episode her facial expressions are wonderful trying to reconcile like she's hit like a train has hit her she has mm-hmm. no clue and i find that so funny i love don just being like yo come on Open your eyes. Yeah, girl. what do you think because about we that? All know it. Do you think that's genuine? Like, would would you not be able to pick up on that? I feel like you would have known by now. No. I mean, no one else seemed to notice except Don. Like, she now has to reckon with, oh my god, I'm just letting my fucking kid sister hang out with Spike, and I actually don't feel weird about it. I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. She hasn't had to even reconcile with the thought of what that even implies, which is that Spike maybe is not that bad. She must be cognizant enough to be like, well, I know that it's not because I love him, but clearly I do care about him or respect him like that has to be but she hasn't come to that realization yet no, yeah, yeah. she hasn't re- she has not acknowledged that yet no mm-hmm. so in this episode she is horrified by her having any relationship with spike in any kind uh even the portrayal of us being friends is a little too far for her to go which is yeah. funny for us as viewers because it's like you guys have been friends for a year now but i think for her she doesn't see her him as a friend at all what is this oh don't get your knickers twisted i was what is this the late night stakeout, the bogus suspects, the flask. Is this a date? A. Please. A date. You are completely off your birth. I mean, do you want it to be? I did want to know if you thought that the uninvite was an overreaction. No. Do you? I don't know. She was literally just shackled. I don't know how we're going to sit here and say that this was an overreaction. He had her chained and was threatening to have Drusilla kill him, kill her. So I think it's appropriate. And I think it should have happened a long time ago because appropriate boundaries are probably good for a vampire that you don't fully trust. Yeah. Well, so that's the only reason is she tells Willow to do it before she's gone to talk to Spike. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't know all that's about to happen. So it must be that. It must just be like, God, all this has just reminded me this dude can get into my house whenever he wants. And if this conversation doesn't go great, I would like to not be have him be able to come into my home. Yeah, exactly. So Yeah. I mean, and Spike is a fucking bad vampire guy. Yeah. I think it's good not to have him in your home. I agree. I just, just I guess because I was just curious why it hadn't happened sooner, but I think it really is just it didn't occur to her. Like you just you know, this well, clearly... no, subconsciously because she does have feelings for him. She does. <laughs> They're going to be together. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Does she are we saying that we in this moment, Buffy no. in, in no, the episode no, crush not does not acknowledge that she does not have conscious feelings for him. Not conscious feelings, but possibly but there, but possibly something. She does trust him. I don't know if she has romantic yeah. feelings towards him. But she does think he's a friend, and she's a liar when she says that he's yeah. not that. And I think that's freaking her out. Yeah. Because she is also, like, wanting to be with Ben, so I think it's vulnerable in that scenario, too. And this whole episode is called Crush, so clearly we're talking about crushes. Dawn has a crush. Sander wants right. to be the crush. Like, everyone's crushing on everyone. Uh, yes. Awkward or not. <laughs> everyone else is being all twitchy and secretive. I'm just trying to keep you safe, I expect. I feel safe with you. <coughs> Take that back. I mean, you have the whole superpower thing, and you're just as tough as Buffy is, maybe tougher. Buffy thinks so, too. She does? Okay, well, 
Uh, it's time for me to remind you that we wrote a podcast, and you can find us everywhere on the internet. It's at BeatMePod. Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, all those places. We have a website, BeatMePod.wordpress.com. You can find notes about this show here that we do. And hey, Spotify, there's a playlist. It's called Beat Me Hyphen Funtime Playlist for Podcast Fans Season 5. And that contains all the music that is played in this show by the Vampire Slayer, as well as all the music that's played on this podcast, If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. Hey, all in one place. Isn't that so convenient? It'll definitely have, well, I can't say that because maybe Spotify doesn't have it, but that weird song that's played at the bronze that sounds like it should be in Tony uh, Hawk. Yes. So good. All right, let's, uh, let's yell about some stuff. Stacia, do you want to go first? My first note is Buffy has a type and it's ugly men. <laughs> you think that Marsters is ugly? No, she's not into Marsters. Oh, oh gotcha, gotcha. There was like that guy, the Ben, Ben, Ben. She was ben. flirting with Ben at the bronze. <laughs> and I was like, Ben looks like Riley and Riley looks like Angel and Angel looks like the other guy that she slept with. Uh, oh my God, Parker. Oh, Parker. Uh, Parker. Uh, Parker. You're here. I live here. I will say she has a type, but I don't think any of those guys look the same, except for Riley and Angel are literally the same body type. Like, if you cut off their heads and you, you stood their, their torsos next to each other, you wouldn't know who it was You who. don't think Ben and Riley look similar? The ty- Yeah, like, you're talking about, like, boy with, like, with kind of 90s hair. hair. <laughs> hair. Like, tall. <laughs> yeah. Although, yeah. Charlie Weber is, like, way more ripped than Riley was. Riley has the angel body, where it's, like, he's muscular, but he's, like, not... Cut. I don't know what he looks like under his shirt. He just took his shirt off in the last episode. I don't know. <laughs> and clearly, Marsters has like 0% body fat. So Okay. I'm nah. <laughs> talking about Marsters here. The Bronze is back, baby. We have two 90s bands. Two very aggressively yes. 90s songs. Yes. Do we know who those bands are? No, I, I saw it twice and I didn't look. One is called like Divots or something. Okay, two very different bands though. So yeah, yeah, I know two live performances. We haven't had a bronze live performance in forever. Well, they came in hot with the bronze thing. They're just like space age again. They're all wearing spacesuits, and it is like <laughs> a brand new day at the bronze. So I'm oh, excited. Yeah. But yeah, the second it kicked off, I was like, I'm confused, and I think I'm here. I was like, Oh, Tony Hawk. Do 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 do. This is great. I mean, that song is not in Tony Hawk as far as I know, but. Uh, so Ben's clearly worried about Buffy knowing that he's Glory, because when she approaches him, he she says, you know, I know what happened between you and Donna. He's like, oh, uh oh, uh oh. And she's like, thanks so much for being nice to my sister. So that's interesting. That's a little bit of tidbit that like a little tidbit of information that we'll probably definitely forget. But like trying to put that puzzle together of, of how clo- like close they are, how much they know about each other, because he doesn't know that there's a spell. Right. Otherwise, he wouldn't be sweating it. Like, doesn't know that there's a spell to prevent people who see the change remembering, because he otherwise wouldn't I mean, wouldn't be worried. Right. I don't know. What a wonderful tapestry of, of lore. As a viewer, I I don't know anything of what you said because man, it is incredibly vague, and it was in the previously on. But I can't really remember. <laughs> but even with this, I'm like, I I still don't I I don't know as a viewer what to think. Like, again, I think that Glory is Ben. Ben is Glory. Yes. So in my head, Ben, Glory is in the building tonight. So that could have escalated immediately to a Glory episode if it wasn't a Drusilla episode. That is absolutely true. If we didn't have ten more, or sorry, eight more episodes to fill. Yes. The the scene with um, Dawn and Spike was really cute, specifically when Dawn says, I feel safe with you. And Spike's like, take that back. (laughs) And coughs on his cigarette. (laughs) 
so good. Uh, speaking of Spike, I love his the continuity with his love of bar food. I mean, he was so upset <laughs> mm. about the the flowered onions or whatever, the blooming onion uh, being taken off the menu. I love this. I, would I be love upset this too. Spike. <laughs> Where he just talks about hot wings and then brings oh, yeah, it up to fucking, wings. I think that's right. The tr- the Olaf or whatever, right? I think he, I to somebody he was saying like, you got to try the wings; they're great. Like, <laughs> this has been a thing all season. It, why do we? Why is this continuity? I don't know, but I love it. The so. man can't drink blood. He's got to get his yaya somehow, and that is through fried foods and stocking. But why do the writers remember this? Of all the things, this they is the like one a, thing they remember. They like a food joke. I know. Who doesn't like I a love food it? Joke? And I love that because I love them for it. So, all right. I know this is one of those times where I'm just going to yell for no reason because it's easily quashed and also who cares. But what is Tara buying for a quarter? Because, okay, this is, when did the Sacagawea dollar come out? Oh my God, what the hell? 90, uh, it would have been, it would have been 2003 to 2000. Dollar coins uh, and and 50 cent pieces have existed too before the Sacagawea dollar. So that's fine. But most- Vending machines are not going to take a non-standard coin. So they're not going to take a 50-cent piece. They're not going to take a dollar coin. Willow hands her a single coin, the largest of which the nomination saying that they would only accept standard range would be a single quarter. Now, even in 2001, I don't know what you could purchase from a vending machine for a single quarter. And I didn't get a great look at what she grabbed. Maybe Tara already had change and Willow was just rounding her out. Ooh. Phrasing, uh, phrasing. Yeah. <laughs> was um, she using yeah. a fifty cent piece? I, that maybe, but I don't think that vending machines would take that. That seems like I think that Tara already had seventy five cents, and Willow was like, and she was like, "Dang, no. I need oh, another." I know quarter. why that's wrong because there's only one kachink. There's only one. Yeah. There's only one motion. Maybe Trudy put the money in without counting. She's high all the time. No, no, no. Because they wa- yeah. they approached at the same time. They were deep in Quasimodo debate. They approached the Do machine. You... Tara scrounges, has comes up empty. Holds her hand out. Willow adorably is like, I got you, girl, because I love you. And then she puts a no, single no. coin. You see, no. See, you know how I saw that scene? I saw it as like, Tara's like, oh, my God, I don't have any coins. And then Willow, being controlling because she's already turned into season six, Willow is like, I have your money. I have it for you. Because I have the money. Remember, I, I have, have the, the money. money. I have the power. I have the control. That's so dark. I hate it. We're still in cute Willow and Tara land. Do not ruin Yeah, this. don't take that from us. It lasts so we are such a short time. Very much not there. Very she is getting nosebleeds from doing teleportation spells. She is already this on is the, the dark side. This is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of the end. She's already mm. toying with Tara. Tara, as far as I'm concerned, is gone. No. Already. Oh my god. Sorry. Sure. Feel bad for laughing at this. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> but after uh, Spike and Buffy have the stakeout or whatever, and she's like, these vampires have nested. They've been here a while. And without getting the point, which is they didn't get here yesterday on the train, Spike immediately jumps to you, you're saying they're a couple of poofters. And it was just, like, the funniest, like, thing. Because, <laughs> like, why say that at all? Why do you think she would care? How is that relevant to anything? I think it's just, like, working it out in his head, like, they've been here a while together as boyfriends. Gay. So you gay. think they're gay? So yes, they're that's crucial to our investigation. A couple of what is that? Ah, yeah. It just builds that Spike is just from the past, and he just he's can't reconcile with this this new world, this emerging. And the fact that like he uses a derogatory term, but he's not mad. Like he's not judgmental. He's like, so you, th- you think they're? Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh 
really feel bad for laughing. I it's feel like funny. I should be mad, but it was no. just the way he says it. <laughs> just sort of like nonplussed, like, what's your point, Bobby? God, it's 2001. <laughs> Why are you pointing this out? Like, can't two or four dudes make out without being gay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god all right well since we're speaking of why they're there they're there because of the train so i have to bring up the train so the train yes. station was the worst thing i've ever seen in the whole world we have another podcast kelly where we like to make a joke where white people love trains well white, white people, people were trains. the only white people love trains and white people are the only ones dead on the train is... um so they loved it to death i guess i don't know <laughs> this this is nonsense. The whole concept of Sunnydale having a train station is objectively funny. All of the information that I can glean from the sign is also absurd. Um, so if we're believing that this is Santa Barbara, I can't tell exactly what's on the sign, and there might be better things out there. But as far as I can tell, it says that Santa Barbara, well, I'm sorry, Sunnydale, and we have uh, established, you can't really tell when. It looks like 18, so I'm going to assume sometime in the 1800s, which would make sense. Uh, 1892, maybe? Is, maybe, but that's even, that's way too late. I mean, the gold rush was in 1840. Oh, no, I was looking so, at the elevation. I mean, my bad, sorry. Yeah, but the elevation is a four-digit number, so keep that in mind. So the elevation is 1,000-something. It looks like 1182-62, yeah. if I'm being generous. Uh, miles to L.A. is which is over to the left side, uh, minimum it's 452, mm -hmm. but it might be 652. I can't really tell. And then miles to SF, which I assume is San Francisco, it looks to be about 682, right? Those are enormous distances. Yeah. Um, Santa Barbara to Los Angeles is 95 miles. Santa Barbara to San Francisco is 326. So no matter, I thought it would be like, oh, we're just a couple, maybe even 100 miles off. Completely just absurdly wrong also it's not a lot of information to say la and sf like that's not that's a, a really poor sign for somebody getting off the train that doesn't tell you a lot of information so signage wise uh leaves a lot to be desired for us uh, sunnydale which is not surprising because there's one person here the elevation again is over a thousand feet the elevation in santa barbara is 49 feet it's on the fucking ocean like, how are we in a thousand feet? No. So 49 over a thousand. So another just like hilarious sort of thing. Um, but also, where did the bodies go in the train? So the, the somebody came to clear out the bodies, but all the blood and everything is gone. So oh, yeah. that's a huge, right? Like, what is what is going on here? Also, this man got killed. This poor comic guy book reading who's train porter. His name yeah. is Sutton. Damn Sutton. He, he's Damn. dead. And we don't care. No one cares. Yes. So the Sunnydale line is the last stop on the line. So last stop on the line which also makes no sense. No <laughs> sense because Santa Barbara is not the last of anything. It's nope. just a continuation on the way. Yep. Uh, the distances, to, I totally did not see that. I'm really glad to point it out. Because not only are San Francisco and L.A. not that far apart, for them, if you're anywhere in California, you would have to be in Nevada, right? Because you're going to come at, come at it more like a triangle, yeah. like a wedge piece. That would make more sense. The, and and elevation-wise, too. That sign was stolen from a train station in Nevada, I'm convinced. Nevada? Nevada. Nevada? Somewhere. Did I hear you say Nevada? No. <laughs> Do you say Nevada? Yeah. No. Nevada. I refuse. No, they definitely just made up an old-timey sign. They just were like, this is fun. And I think, again, they're just trying to dispel the notion of Santa Barbara. So I'm sure as people like are like, this is Santa Barbara, they're like, eh, fuck it. We'll just put it. 
just ridiculously far away from the two major urban centers. Joke's on you. It was Utah the whole time. I mean, truly, it would be Utah. I mean, 600 miles away is Portland. I mean, like, it's so far away. (laughs) Do you think that the prop makers who painted this sign stopped and had a conversation that's like, do you think in 20 years everyone will have a personal computer in their pocket and they will fact check the sign we painted that's on screen for about 30 seconds? And in high definition, and they'll be able to actually read what it says. And they're going to pause it and read it and fact check us. And the other person's like, nah, it sounds fake. Yeah. Do they think they're uh, going to make fun of us later? Yeah. No, we are. Yeah. We were. Little did they know. Um, <laughs> Little did they know. Jokes I, on them. They're probably dead now. Excuse me, resident murder <laughs> expert. <laughs> jokes on them. They're probably dead now. I don't Speaking know. Of, you see, people are going to be people. They were probably old when they made that sign, These and now they're older. These year olds uh, the white outline thing, is that real? No. I didn't think oh, so. That's hilarious. That's I mean, so that's another real. thing, too. What's the point? That doesn't... They take pictures. <laughs> they took pictures. And they cleaned the whole thing, and they cleaned everything up, and then Except thought, for the tape we lines. need to put the tape line, the they masking They cleaned it cleaner than like, before the murder happened. <laughs> totally. Totally. But they're like, we it's need the to remember these ever. bodies have been here before. Yeah. I mean, really, just for Buffy to sit in it. That was Yeah, that was whole, all for that shot for her to lean all we over. did. Exactly. Oh, oh, it's yeah. the worst. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> oh, I hope not. It's funnier if it's true. <laughs> I'm serious. Xander, this is serious. Right. <clears throat> <laughs> that if anyone had fired that crossbow that Harmony fired into Spike, if it had mm. not been Spike on the receiving end, it would have killed whatever it hit because that mm. was his All heart. That was All for sure his through. heart. It definitely went through his body. He should be dead. That's what I'm saying. But we can't go down that path because there are many times when all of our friends should have been completely murdered by Glory. Most recently, anytime she hits someone, they should just be dead. Faith with her crossbow. Don't forget. Oh, yeah. She's she's an expert crossbowist. She missed on purpose. The troll hitting Xander. Oh, yeah. The sock puppet. His bone should have been turned to dust and he should have become unconscious. At the end, Bummy was like, so grossed out by Spike and, like, leaving. And he was like, you can't just let this end, Buffy. And I'm just having this moment, like, if you truly don't have any feelings for him, why don't you just kill him and, like, get it over with? Oh, my God. How many times have we said that? Why don't you but just kill so Spike? so much in this point, like, what, yeah. why not? Well, she said it. it, too. She was like, I know, I, you know, when she was, you know, dunking on him, was like, I should have just dusted you forever ago. Yeah, but why so. doesn't she then? Because she actually has she feelings. likes him. She's his. He's her friend. I mean, she went to him for advice. Fool for Love is all just, I, I know that you're useful, and I, I think that you have something to offer me, and I'm choosing you to... It means the world to Spike. It means nothing to Buffy. Buffy yeah. was a business transaction for, for, for Spike. It was like, my whole world she has loves been changed. Me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> or just like, I'm opening up in a way that she can't... No one could understand. I just, I'm rolling with the feelings here. Giles shows up in this episode. Um, oh, yeah. At least we all be, we forget that. When Giles was leaving and Buffy goes over to talk to him, have they learned nothing from the last six episodes? Because what do they do? They talk about fucking Dawn in whispered right in front tones. Of right in front of her. I mean, and this one is directly in front of her because they don't Giles even is care looking anymore. at Dawn when he's talking about Dawn. Hey, Dawn, I'm talking about you. Uh, the last thing that I have to say is. Willow, dog cardigan. I'll take my answers off the air. 
Oh, so good. Poodles and Dalmatians, yeah. And I love her the confidence of her, too. Do you need me to come with you? Because I'll back you up with some snarls. It's like, girl, you shouldn't be in public. You shouldn't be out in public <laughs> looking like this. <laughs> Do you know what you're wearing? That's vintage Willow. Gotta yeah. love it. It's <laughs> wonderful. Know, Where's your bucket hat? Oh, God. She did need that to top it all off, honestly. Uh, Drew is the original uh, anti-vaxxer. Uh, I don't believe in science, bits and molecules <laughs> that you can't see. So that yes. was pretty <laughs> tough. Um, makes it easy to kind of hate her in coronavirus world. So kind of tough look for Drew. Um, I do want to say about Joyce quickly. I know we'll kind of touch on it, but I do love that she comes in hot with the maritime terminology. The bill of the bill of lading is a oh document, the bill of lading or whatever yeah 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 which is a for a cargo and a shipment which would kind of mm-hmm. make sense for her gallery which again amazing to talk about the gallery uh, and I looked up the amorpha or whatever it's just like a, it's that classic Greek vase with the handles on it yeah yeah exactly so uh, funny because I don't see her you know because she had fucking like what well I guess we don't really know what she's had because she's only had masks that's the only thing we can confirm. That she's had in her gallery. Well, right? and so the Gurian, Gurian showing. What's I don't know what Gurian but what's is Gurian? or what I don't, he does. I don't think that was real. Maybe it is, no. but I don't know if yeah. it was paintings or not. I I guess when I hear gallery, I just think of paintings immediately. Yeah. Uh, the last thing that I have it has to deal with the photos. The photos that um, <coughs> that Spike is um, taking from are hilarious. Not only is he a great artist, which, you know, maybe he has a lot of time on his hands, but how is he getting these, you know, from memory? I don't know, but it's hilarious because there's like a shot of, uh, there's a Buffy next to Willow uh, up at the top where they are, they're at school that is in the classroom. Um, Mm -hmm. So who's taking that photo, especially from that angle. Uh, Spike is basically on the ground with a, with a, camera taking that photo and then the the one on the left the other prominent one that you can kind of tell is actually it's not actually buffy it's um it's sarah michelle geller she's actually at the craft food service table so it's kind of weird that like he would have a photo of somebody you know like an actual an actual actress um inside of this collage but yeah that one's definitely her at the craft services table eating lunch. yeah the photos are rough because they are all set photos every single it's... one of them in fact one of them might even be her stunt double and not her which is i hope it is the one in the middle? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like, now nah, I, I think that was from a long time ago. That that one almost looks like season one shit. But I guess I Ooh, can't Ooh, actually, that could be a men's hair. I'm sure yeah. you could plot out any photo just based on the hair, like where she is in time. Some things you're just not supposed to press pause on. You're just not supposed <laughs> no, to. You're not. You just let, you let the scene from the torch and it's a little further further away and you're like, oh, no, that's weird. And then you're like, no, you zoomed in. Bad call. Bad call. Don't do that. Um, oh, speaking of zooming in, since you didn't bring it up, and you didn't bring it up, Stacia did a little HD sleuthing, too. Mm. And when Buffy snatches the newspaper from that kid, Love it. it's an actual Love it. article. For once, they took the time to write an article. It says coherent stuff about the actual event. Yeah. It was shocking. An actual phrase she said that's like... Oh, she says, like, uh, six victims or something, neck rupture, whatever. Whatever she reads is actually Yeah, like in the trauma article. to the neck and throat yeah. or something like that. And that's word for word in the article. Nice. Yeah. So they put the mm-hmm. script in the article. That's smart. That's what you should do. <laughs> uh, can we talk about her stealing the fucking newspaper, though? I mean, that what a terrible look for Buffy. You got to love the guy, bullshit. The guy's just like, hello, I'm reading that. That was hilarious. <laughs> fucking, what I mean, this is this show? What is this This show? is Beer Bad Buffy. This is Beer Bad Buffy stealing the sandwich from that girl. That's who this is. <laughs> we stand. <laughs> uh, I know I do. I can't help it. But, like, it's kind of rude. 
That's so yeah, mean. More it's than so kind of. <laughs> and in the rude. background, you just watch him like shuffle on to the next one. He keeps reading, you know, the next <laughs> section of the paper. Like, I guess I won't know today about that. So tough. I mean, good for that guy for all he did was have like a pithy comment of like, uh, hello, I was reading that. But he moved on immediately. <laughs> three women are just like, shut up, you fucker. <laughs> And they didn't even leave the scene of the outrage. They just like stood. I mean, that's a little more fucked up, even too. (laughs) Steal somebody's thing and then just stand next to them. And then, like, I'm sure I, uh, my perfect end to the scene is basically she read that line and then they're like, oh man, we got stuff to do. And then she literally just fucking throws it on the ground and just walks. Or throws it away. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely does not give it back to him. No, absolutely not. You know what? This is the first RR I've had in weeks. How about we go one night without saying the name Glory? I'm down with that. Let's just call she who will not be named another name. Let's just call her Ben, for example. I think it is finally time to rank this sucker. No, watches. I mean, it's time for me to be updated about watches! I will go fast. Xander Construction Outfit Watch, no, but he is Payday Man. Least we forget. Maroon Jacket Watch, no, but Spike's jacket was very off-putting Brown. and strange to see him in. Don's piercing screams, no, Don was hardly in this episode. Chips Ahoy, yes, you could even say this entire episode is about the chip in his head. Naughty. Shh. You need make-up stories. I already know why you're not coming. Poor boy. Tin soldiers put funny little knickknacks in your brain. Can't hunt. Can't hurt. Can't kill. You've got a chip. In fact, she does say Chips Ahoy directly. She so this is probably absolutely does. where where this uh, comes from. When I heard that, I, I don't know. I was like, oh, did I did I come Make up with this up. because she says that? Or did I was I actually clever? And it turns out I don't think I was clever. I think I just forgot a thing. And did I you think we were going to get sued by Nabisco? That never crossed my mind, but now I'm concerned. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, Buffy has a personality. No, but we I can say pretty definitively that she was uncomfortable with the Ramones talk and she was like, I don't know who this is, so I'm not going to answer the question because a normal person would answer the question. But she was like, I don't know what this is, so I have to move on Uh, to Hoffman watch. No, Tara and Willow are on the pot again. Everybody's (laughs) favorite category. Yes, of course, they're on the pot again. You cannot watch Tara and Willow dance at the bronze to their own beat and think that they're sober. (laughs) Um, Tara mentions, and again, I want you guys to help me on this one. Tara mentions she who must not be named. um, And then Buffy fills it in just like before Dawn holding the knife, cutting herself. Buffy fills it in with Ben. Do we think that Tara actually had a finish to that sentence? Or do we think that she was once again going to trail off (laughs) <laughs> if it wasn't for Buffy saying Ben. And once again, Tara's like, oh, thank God. Thank God. I didn't I have nothing, an end. I had nothing. <laughs> I had no end to another name. I could I could not even fathom another name to say. Um, so that was pretty funny. Um, and then uh, Tara and, and Willow honestly talking like incredibly expositionally about the Hunchback of Notre Dame was very funny. And we've already talked about the Dalmatians shirt. but like, Oh, and Tara can't get through a, a short walk or short conversation without getting a snack. Without getting snacks. I didn't even think about that. But yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's incredible. So they're high all the time. Michael Wicket, Amy Gothwatch, nothing. There was just nothing about magic. Um, Books a Million, there wasn't a book in the world. Uh, streets ahead, <laughs> no, but we did get the 15th reopening bronze. 
because I'm sure they've reopened a billion times. And again, I, I just got to say, I love the space age themes and Giles because KO, of course, he was dunked on by Joyce because he can't provide safety for the Summers family because he's just a weak man. And yeah, I, I would say we could throw the train station there for streets of head kind of, but not really. No, it's not a street. It's not a street, but it is a thing. It is so a thing. It's, a, it's a new thing. That's true. Okay, well, thank you for that. Well, and Appreciate also the docks I just... would kind of be referenced if, if the maritime stuff from Joyce is real, too. Then she's clearly getting cargo <laughs> right, shipments right. from the docks. The so so Joyce has actually right. been to the docks, parked, received vases from the docks. It's incredible to think about these people in these worlds, you know? I know, Joyce what is living a rich, her life at this gallery. rich town we have. Why have you come to our lonely small town which has no post office and very few exports? I've come looking for a man. A salesman. Okay, let's rank this sucker and get on out of here. Are you ready mm -hmm. to hear some science and math? Willow hack slash we talk about the net slash something wicked this way comes. I gave it a six because while it happens off screen she does do the uninvite spell. Gotta count. Oh, it. right, right. Because I've decided. Uh, yeah, Giles. I when I was ranking this, I was like, I don't think Giles was in this episode. Oh wait, yes, he was there to get destroyed by Joyce. That's right. Uh, so <laughs> just long enough to get his entire pride destroyed. Uh, so six because he was barely in it. Now Joyce. Oh. I I've been giving her as much grace and leeway as I can because she rules shortly. In fact, she dies in the next episode. She will be dead by yep. the end of I Was Made to Love You. Right. So I still couldn't do it. I gave her a three, and I felt like that was generous because she blamed her daughter for some guy creeping on her. <laughs> she destroyed Giles emotionally. She had what uh, the, the gallery anecdote. <laughs> Spike, I understand. So Spike, good. I understand because he's trying to make a good impression. He's trying to be nice. I totally understand. But the fact that Dawn was fake laughing at what I know was not an interesting story it's just like, damn it, Joyce. Damn it, Joyce. It's so, so, so three. Huh. Monster of the Week, I got to give it to, to Drusilla. Even mm -hmm. though, like, I mean, she, she has actually a huge body count in this episode. Which, by the way, how are you going to eat, like, six people in one sitting? That seems egregious, but whatever. We also do know that she likes, she likes a neck snap. She likes a throat slash. She doesn't always eat her people. She just likes to kill them. So maybe she only ate a couple. Although the article said they all had neck rupture. Anyway. Drusilla, because of the high body count and because you love to see her and because we won't see her again, not really, I had to give her a 10 for the very last time. Nice. Goodbye, Drew. We'll see you in season seven, but only for fakesies. Relationship goodness or badness? Willow and Tara seem great. Xander and Anya seem great. They're, everybody's having a good time at the bronze. Anya, not in the show. She did dance. And that, that actually, that right. her, the shot of her she dancing was. that pink dress she will was. be in the credits for next season and really? the following season too, I think. Okay, yeah. okay. It's a shiny, shiny dress. Oh, it's so shiny. Apparently, Harmony wears that same dress in Angel at some point. Who knew? Hmm. Um, but I got to say, Spike and Drusilla and Harmony and Buffy in the pits. We're all doing bad. We're doing bad. So six relationships, episode specific. I want to be sedated. Do you like the remote? So good. Five out of ten. Because, oh, we were so close to learning something about Buffy, but it just didn't happen. Uh, 36 overall, 10 of 14 for the season. Like I said, this watch, I just was not super into it. So one 
above out of my mind and one below the replacement. That's pretty damning. Mm. Safe. I ranked this 34 out of 92. Okay. Jesus, that's high. Pretty much exclusively for Drusilla and Harmony. Yeah. 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 And I think the spike stuff was super interesting. It makes you think. It makes you challenge yourself about why you, you know, like him or don't like him. Like, this is a great spike episode. Like, like him or don't. There's a lot here that spike is doing. So I, I like it, it's too. True. I mean, I knew. I don't know. It's 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 I, I'm going to be more conservative than you, Stacia. But like, I'm going to put it at 75. So it's kind of where everything's been now in the 70s. You know, it's like kind of on the low side of middle. Uh, maybe it should be a little bit higher because I've enjoyed this this conversation. It's been it's been great, um, but it's you know it's kind of a weak episode. There's not a whole lot going on. Crush is over. Please join us next time for I was made to love you, the robot. She's here. War and mirrors will be in our life. No, for worse. No. I'm gonna say for worse no. every time for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, it's Joyce is gonna die, guys. Don't spoil Not in it. The next episode. Yeah, she dies in the next episode. She dies in the next episode. Yeah, the, the very end, end of, of the, like, yeah. the last scene. Yeah. So cool times. Cool times. Uh, before that happens, while we're still living in the glow of, uh, of Crush, the, sh- the safety of Crush, do you have anything else to say about this episode? No. Daniel? No. We'll see you next time for Crush. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Daniel, say goodbye. You should never hurt the feelings of a brutal podcast. You know, that's actually some good advice. The brutalist. Thank you. Okay, goodbye. I did wave, and then I was like, that's not going to translate. Okay, let me stop the recording. How do I stop it?